Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, October 18th. We're very happy to be with you. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica, California with three of my sisters. Leanne is off doing her thing in her life. Uh, she earned it. Uh, but Monica Dolan, you're in Portland, Oregon. We've missed you the past couple of weeks. I know. I haven't been on, but I have a full report on what I've been doing. Excellent. Inquiring minds want to know, where is Monica Dolan? Uh, Sheila Dolan, you're in South Pasadena. What's going on there? Well, as you know, Liz, there's a light drizzle in Southern California, which is, it's jugging weather. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. The light drizzle is such a relief. It has been so hot and so dry and basically on fire in California for so many months that when Ferris and I walked outside today and it was wet, even Ferris was happy. And he's a, Southern, he's a Southern California dog who is just not used to this thing called rain. Uh, and Julie Dolan, you're in Dallas, Texas. How is everything there? Well, I'll have to say I'm a little jealous, a little bit jealous of my eight-year-old granddaughter because she got to go to the Taylor Swift concert at Cowboy <laughs> Stadium last night, and oh I God. didn't get to go. Wow. An eight-year-old right. take, taking in Taylor Swift. That could be the highlight of her life. Her life may never get any better than that. <laughs> I, I know. In Cowboy Stadium, that giant stadium. So... I haven't heard all about it. She told me before the concert, she said, Nana, I'm going to try to get you an autograph. Oh, okay. That's sweet. That's good. That is sweet. Well, we have have a lot coming up in today's show. Of course, we have some winners from our You're the Best contest. Uh, Julie's going to give you the update on hashtag SatSistersYTB. Julie, you have some kind of a work story about whether bosses are necessary at all? We don't need them anymore, Liz. They're gone. We have. I have. There's a whole new system of work, and I. I want to ask you, working girls, whether you think it's a good idea. Okay. All right. Um, Monica, your report is from the Bend Film Festival, correct? Yes, I was at the film festival last weekend. Saw a lot of movies, um, and it was just really fun. I'll tell you all about it. All right. I need some film recommendations because it's just been too long since I've actually gone to the movies. So that's my plan for after I finish editing today's show. Uh, Sheila, we had a little gig together this week that we're going to talk about, right? We did for the first time on stage in a long time, Liz. And we I think we nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) There were some rocky transitions, but in general, the overall impact, I think, Uh, I think was good, but you have a new job that we haven't actually talked about on the show yet. So we're going to ask you about it. Okay. Fantastic. And then I also have my, my favorite headline of the week. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it now. We'll save it for the end of the show, but just occasionally you see these headlines that make you smile. And, uh, this was, uh, this was one of mine this week, uh, this weekend, I've also been brushing up on Ebola a little bit, which is why I need an entertaining movie. Um, what? Because I'm Ebola, Liz? 
Ebola, Julie, because this week, midweek, I'm moderating a panel. We have a, a new National Geographic Channel show called Breakthrough that is coming out next month. It comes out in November, and it's six different episodes about different scientific breakthroughs. One is on aging. Uh, one is on water. One is on pandemics. And so I have to be able to interview each of the scientists about their specific areas of, uh, of expertise and what their breakthrough was in that area. So I feel like water, longevity, I can kind of handle that stuff. But Ebola, you kind of <laughs> have to have some facts. You know, just the whole general area of pandemics is requiring a little bit of study on my part. Um, so, you know, but I'll be good. Uh, I'll have enough. You don't I'm have sure enough. you will be. You don't have to know the answers. You just have to ask the questions, right? So I think I can uh, manage that by Wednesday. But first, Julie, who are this week's winners in our hashtag Sat Sisters You're the Best contest? Well, Liz, you know, this has been a very fun contest. We're doing it uh, to celebrate our new book coming out, You're the Best, A Celebration of Friendship. And one of the unintended consequences of this little contest where we asked you to either on our Facebook group page or at hashtag SatSistersYTB, put up pictures of your satellite sisters, is, you know, I think the satellite sisterhood is getting to see what we look like, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, they know what we look like, but now we know what they look like, you know? (laughs) And they know what they look like. So I think that's a real benefit. And thank you so much for all your pictures. We have one more week. It is not too late to get in on the fun. So please bring it on home, as we say, as the Dolan sisters say, and put up a picture of your satellite sisters, um, either on our Facebook group or at hashtag SatSistersYTB. But this week's winner on our Facebook group is Kim Hardy Erskine. I don't know if you saw this picture, but it was adorable. It was a, it was a, a composite picture of that her her mother and her friend put the two baby uh, babies in the crib together, and then they've grown up to be best friends. So oh, nice. Best friend picture. Adorable, wonderful, sweet. So congratulations, Kim Hardy Erskine. Um, second uh, on our Instagram account, uh, the, this week's random winner is Lucy Sun, which is, it's a great picture. I believe they're all healthcare professionals because uh, the comment was they are making a difference advocating for people in pain. Oh. And I, the sound of that, uh, and they look like a very warm and caring group of people. So thank you very much, Lucy Sun and Kim Hardy Erskine and everyone else who put their pictures up. But come on, get in on it. This is one more week. So that's great. So those of you who are winners, you just email us at info at satellitesisters.com and send us your mailing address, your contact info, uh, so that we know where to send your book. And even after the, after the contest is over, you just want to keep using the hashtag SatSistersYTB on anything you want us to see about you and your friends and why why they're the best. That's really what we not want to know. Everybody feels like their friends are the best. So uh, hashtag SatSistersYTB is the way to go with that. Um, okay. Speaking of which, Sheila. Oh, Liz. We had kind of, kind of a shakedown cruise this week, did we not? We did. We, we did, Liz. Uh, this is Sheila. Leon, Liz, and I. Uh, basically, I think, kicked off this book tour in a very, very special way this week, which was uh, we spoke at the Huntington Library, which is a beautiful Huntington Library and Gardens right here in Pasadena. 
we gave a Satellite Sisters speech, which, of course, Leon prepared for us and uh, <laughs> made, <laughs> made, co- made copies and put in pretty file folders for us uh, the day of. So this was a luncheon for women in business in Pasadena. And uh, it started, what, at 11 o'clock? Mm-hmm. That's when well, women... first, it was, it was hosted by Pasadena Magazine. Yes. And that's important. And Leanne is a columnist for Pasadena Magazine and does a lot of work with them at these events. So, so yeah, we needed to be there at 11 just to get, you know, set up, get right. ready. And, and uh, I was told to be there uh, by, by 1045. Of course, I was early, but when I got there, Liz and Leanne were even earlier than I was. <laughs> I just I couldn't make it earlier. And um, what I liked about this event, Monica, was that it was 10 minutes from my house. Oh. <laughs> That's a good event. But it's, it's such a beautiful place, the Huntington Library and Gardens that the parking was out of control. Every parking spot was taken at 11 a.m. So it it was a long walk, but a short cart ride. (laughs) (laughs) So the room was filled, absolutely packed with women in business. Um, Everything, every profession from lawyers to doctors to real estate. um, And I even saw some of my old friends there. um, uh, Parents showed up. So it was it was a great group. Um, everyone got a, a fantastic swag bag. Pasadena Magazine really put on a beautiful luncheon. And I think the speech went really well. We divvied up the work as we always did. Um, the speech theme was finding your voice. And we each gave uh, a little a little shtick. Right, Liz? Yeah, I'm not sure it was shtick, you know, <laughs> advice, observations about our life. It was fun. Uh, yeah, it was great. And finding your voice was the theme because it's all kinds of women in business who just, you know, want want to be inspired to, like, speak up for themselves more in the business environment. Whatever your work environment is, how do you uh, how do you be heard? So we had an opportunity to talk about we have three such very different professional experiences, Lee and Sheila and I, that we could come at it from a lot of different perspectives. Oh, and the women were really inspired. So and then... What, remarkably, I mean, we our publisher was there, Prospect Bark Books. We brought lots of copies of You Are the Best. We bought 100 copies just in case. Well, guess how many books we sold? 96. All right. Yeah. I mean, we sold all these books. Uh, Lee and son, Colin, was in charge of, <laughs> uh, of the uh, square, charging people and giving them receipts. So he was doing our selling. And the women bought books, and it was just, it's, it's like it always is as a Satellite Sisters event. Everybody comes up and tells you about their Satellite Sisters, their work experiences, and it's just a lot of sharing and caring. It was great. Yeah, it was really great. And I want to specify that Colin was there as our sales agent because he had the day off from school. Oh, Le- yes. Leon would not want to leave you with the impression that we that she took her son out of school to come operate the credit card square. So he, <laughs> right. He had the so day off. One in the family that could. Right. That's good. Um, and then um, we, we left after everyone left, but um, still on the table there because it's a woman's event. There were swag bags. I mean, women love swag bags. 
but there were free samples from a new shop in Pasadena, which is all the rave. It's called Nothing Bunt Cakes. Nothing. Oh, oh nothing. Yes, yeah, they're tasty. Yeah, yeah, it's a chain. Yeah. It's a, oh, it's a chain. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I did not know that. Um, I enjoyed the pumpkin spice <laughs> bunt on the way home. And um, a good time was had by all. So a very successful event. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really fun. And it, and, and just, it was good to like get up there together again. We haven't done that in a while and we have a few things coming up. So everybody knows if you go to the events page at Satellite Sisters, you'll see that our Brooklyn appearance is, uh, Friday, October 30th. Then, uh, we're at Vroman's in Pasadena on Sunday, November 8th. Then where Sheila and I are in St. Paul, Minnesota at Subtext Books on, uh, Saturday, uh, November 14th. Then Julie, you and Leon are, you're, you're doing Dallas, right? Yeah. Leon's coming to Dallas in early December. We're going to be at Barnes and Noble on December 3rd at noontime. Um, and Vera will be there as well. Our, my daughter-in-law Vera. So it's going to be a very fun event. So we're, we're adding a lot of dates. So anyway, so just keep, just so we don't have to keep telling you on the podcast, you can just always go to satellitesisters.com and then click on events. All right. Well, speaking of events, there was one other big event this week. Uh, a lot of people on a stage together, the, uh, the democratic (laughs) debate, the democratic debate. And, uh, we, we don't need to discuss that per se. I just want to ask you guys, did anyone see the Saturday night live opening last night of the democratic debate? Because there was the, like the most perfect piece of casting comedy casting that I've seen in a while. I did not see it, Liz. Okay, well, uh, you, <laughs> you will enjoy, Sheila, because it's, and you can just go watch this on YouTube or whatever, but they were introducing the various candidates, and uh, they had Alec Baldwin come out and play Jim Webb, and he was really good, but then the kicker was when uh, Bernie Sanders uh, was played by Larry David. Oh, and- <laughs> oh my gosh, that's perfect. Oh, perfect. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Oh, it was so funny, Julie, because, you know, watching the debate the other night, I was like, you know, his voice and just everything about him reminds me of someone. I just can't put my finger on who it is. And then when Larry David came out last <laughs> night, I was like, that's who it is. Because <laughs> he's like sort of a curmudgeon. Yes. Uh, so, so I can see that that would be ideal casting. Okay, yes. I'm I'm going to watch that YouTube video. Yes. And he's just extremely passionate about his opinions. And uh, so you enjoy that about Bernie and you definitely enjoy that about Larry David. So um, that would be no matter where you are on the political spectrum. I think you get a kick out of rewatching last night's opening of Saturday Night Live. All right, so moving on, Monica, our our film reviewer, film goer, festival attendee, the Bend Film Festival sounds like it's a small thing, but it's actually quite an event. Yeah, it is quite an event. I'm the, this is entertaining Monica this weekend. <laughs> entertaining Monica. So, so last weekend was the Bend Film Festival, and it's the twelfth year of the festival, and it's it's just a really fun weekend to be in Bend. So it starts on Thursday night as the opening night film and there's movies Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think they screened something like 70 films this year. Um, and of course it was spectacular weather, just breathtaking, like blue sky, sunny 70, but all the leaves have changed. So it was a little tough to go inside for the movies. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I spaced them out. So I had time to go for walks in the morning and be outside. Now in the past, you can buy a full film pass, uh, but they're expensive. <laughs> when I, when I did the math, I figured out that you'd really have to see 13 different movies mm-hmm. in order to make the pass, uh, pay for itself. So I just bought individual tickets ahead of time. So I saw eight films over the course of the weekend and it was so much fun. I only picked movies that I could walk to. Uh, (laughs) That was your filter. It wasn't, it's not like you studied the advanced reviews or looked at the cast or who the director was. It was just, you drew a circle around the bungalow. And that exactly. was, it, was, it was timing and walkability. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to get in a car at all. And it was super fun just to walk to the movies and then walk home for lunch and go see another movie at night and walk home. So the opening night film was great. That was my favorite film that I saw. And it was a documentary called um, Breaking a Monster. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of that Brooklyn band, that those young kids from Brooklyn who play heavy metal. No. no. Have you heard of that group? No. I have not, Monica. You but I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated already. <laughs> They're called Unlocking the Truth. And... They're like eight, nine, and ten. These three kids from Brooklyn, and they play heavy metal, like bass, guitar, and drums. And their parents used to take them to uh, Times Square on the weekends, and they would play, and they became this huge YouTube sensation. And so it was a documentary following them their first year from going to playing in Times Square to getting an agent. And they signed a deal with Sony Records, and they played at Coachella. They played at, like, the Metal Festival of Montreal. Um, good movie. Really good movie. I, I loved it. Breaking a Monster. Okay. That is fascinating. And they're 8, 9, and 10 years old? Well, maybe they're 10, 11, and 12. Maybe okay. they're a little bit older, but, of course, they're absolutely adorable. The three. Oh, my gosh. That sounds great. Okay. Very charismatic kids, very charismatic parents. Um, it was just – it was a good movie. It was loud, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was loud. Heavy metal's loud, so that was good. Um, and what's fun about the festival is, you know, like any film festival, they invite – the directors, the producers, the actors. So there's usually always all the films I saw, there's a Q and a afterwards with uh, the people that have worked on the film. And it's just fun to hear the story about how they created the film. And I purposely went to, I enjoy short films. Uh, so I went to two sets of shorts and the, they had the Q and a afterwards and it's all these young people, movie directors, <laughs> and for a lot of them, it was their um, thesis film Yes. school. So, yes. Sheila, I just want to say NYU was represented, NYU Asia was represented, Tish was there, so that was yes. fun. Ruth Sheila, that's finishing. where your daughter is at film school, right? Yes, and she's finishing her thesis. So this is this is she, this is her dream to get in one of these festivals. Yep, she has to come to Ben Film next year. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Done. Done. 
if Ruthie's there, I would be more inclined to go to some of the after parties <laughs> with the young filmmakers, yes. which I did not go to this year. I just basically saw the movies and went home. So um, some other interesting movies I saw, uh, one was called Happy 40th. It sounds it sounds like it's heavy. It was about a woman who's in a wheelchair from a car accident. She's oh. Yeah, she's been a recluse or recluse, however you want to say it. <laughs> and her friends come to visit her, her college friends, for her 40th birthday. That was pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the highlight of that film was that it was a woman director, She and she was also an actress in the film. She was there. Um, so it was just, it was very fun. Now, I want to say, Liz, I, I think this is something that you can work on. They, they seem to have a little marketing problem with the Ben Film Festival because <laughs> the average ticket buyer, the average moviegoer for the festival, average age, is about 55, mm-hmm. no, which is my age. Right. Because who else has got the time? Okay. Yeah. So those people have the time and those people have the money. But the people that are making the movies are all 30-something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're interesting and they're doing things that are very creative. And I, there was hardly anyone at any of the movies I saw like under the age of 40. Oh, uh, really? Oh. So I think they, think they need to do something to attract more young people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, God knows every brew pub in Bend is filled every night with 20 and 30 somethings. I don't understand why they didn't come to any of these movies, but that's true. That's yeah. true. Okay, so maybe, I will jot that down and think about that. The, maybe uh, you have nothing to do, Liz. That would be good. You have a lot of free time. <laughs> but Monica and I, Monica and I, both feel very close to the Ben Film Festival because in year one, when it was really just like a complete pie in the sky idea, they called us and asked us to MC the awards ceremony at the end of the first year of the festival, and we did that for several years in a row, right, Monica? And that was super fun. Super fun, super fun. And, and the festival, I think there it was a little bit bigger then. Um, they kind of scaled back, but it's still a really great, lively weekend, really fun weekend to go to Bend. Loved it. I would say that for any film festivals. I just think they're really fun yeah. because I love seeing a movie and then hearing the creators talk about it. Um, I think it's just fascinating to know how they did it, why they did it, you know, what their thought process was. So even if you have a small film festival in your town, it's worth checking out because you see some things you're not otherwise going to see and you really get to hear from the creators, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I okay, had, Monica. it's interesting that you raise movies because I had to, I worked all day yesterday and obviously doing this work this morning and then I'll edit and post the show. But because, because it's raining lightly, I'm thinking, okay, I got to bust a move this afternoon and go to the movies. And, but there are a lot of good movies out there now. So I need people to help me filter. Like if you only had time to go to one movie this afternoon, would you go see the Martian no. Or would you, <laughs> or I would, like that. Or would you go see the Steve Jobs movie? You know how much I love Aaron Sorkin. So I'm really I'm really torn. Martian, Steve Jobs. Martian, Steve Jobs. Let's go around let's go around the horn on this. Uh Julie, Martian or Steve Jobs? Okay, I'm Steve Jobs. I saw Martian the Martian. Um if you liked the very first 
TV show Star Trek in the first year, you know, when it was all like just scientific episodes, uh-huh. uh, then you'd like The Martian. It's oh. long. It's a little bit boring. I mean, I just like by it, it sort of charts this guy gets stuck on Mars. I'm not giving anything away. <laughs> but, um, but he's like in by, you know, it's like soul 450. I was like, come on, just get off that planet. You know, really. It's, really? Okay. It's a little, it's, uh, it's a little underwhelming was, uh, is my review. So I haven't seen uh, the Steve Jobs movie. I know you love Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. I think go see that. Yep. Okay. Sheila. The, oh, Mar- the Martian or Steve Jobs? Which way do I go? Steve Jobs. Oh, definitely, Liz. Easy. Wow, I'm surprised you guys are down on The Martian. Everyone, I, mean, I must work with a lot of like sci-fi freaks. Everyone loved it. Monica, Steve Jobs or The Martian? I think you should see The Martian, even though I'm never going to see it. I think it would be more entertaining <laughs> than the Steve Jobs. You've, you've seen the other Steve Jobs movie, haven't yeah, you? You, yeah. read, you read the book. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what's going to be new? <laughs> It's well, kind of heavy. Yeah. But it's not really Steve Jobs. It's really Aaron Sorkin. You know, okay. it's like it's like Mark Zuckerberg didn't really say anything that they said he said in the social network. It's just listening to Aaron Sorkin write dialogue for people. So that's what's interesting to me. It's sort of a touch of the West Wing. Maybe that's it. Maybe it just <laughs> all brings me back to how much how much I miss the West Wing. Did you want to see something that's pure schmaltz? Yeah. I saw the intern. Oh, did you like that? Uh, it was. It, it had some good moments in it. Robert De Niro's in it. He's absolutely adorable. He's just so <laughs> sweet. In that movie. He's so adorable, and it made Br- Brooklyn look great. If you were a dot com millionaire, that's oh. where you would want to move. So, um, okay. I, I, it was a little schmaltzy. All right. But- I, I think that's the kind of movie you're going to see on an airplane. You're you know? going to see it on an airplane. It's going to be fine on the airplane. I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, so that was helpful. Um, Can I put in a plug for a new movie, which no one's seen yet? I don't think. Um, a Brilliant Young Mind. A Brilliant that Young Mind. With Sally Hawkins. And that is an incredible movie that I just saw. Oh, um, okay. And, and there's an actor in the movie. His name is Rafe, but it's not spelled like Ralph, like oh. <laughs> like Rafe Fines. Yeah. This this guy's name is actually R A P H. It's Rafe, <laughs> <laughs> and he's incredibly handsome. But it's a story about a boy with autism, and it's brilliantly written and directed. Um, it's called A Brilliant Young Mind. Okay. All right. Well, as long as we're uh, recommending movies, I think we all need to get on the bandwagon for next weekend to go see Suffragette. Okay, Satellite Sisters? All right. This is the new movie about the suffrage movement starring uh, Carrie Mulligan and Meryl Streep and Helena Bonham Carter. And, you know, again, it's important to go see these movies on opening weekends because that's how we prove to the filmmakers that women will go see these movies. So if you have time next weekend, I've seen them, you know, I've seen Meryl Streep do like 10 interviews about this movie already. And uh, it just, you know, it's the, it's historical. Historical, obviously, it looks really interesting. So put Suffragette on your list, and let's see if we can have a Satellite Sisters turnout uh, for Suffragette. And then it sounds like the ideal movie to go to with your Satellite Sister. Exactly, Julie. Like I'm never going to be able to talk my husband. 
Okay, that's all right. You can d- dig up some satellite sisters there in Dallas yes, and, I- and, and, and go see Suffragette. How come you go to his movies, but he won't go to your movies? Is that just a fact of life? No, he goes to, he goes to some of my movies, I, 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 but I curate the list. Liz. Okay. I have a very strong track record. He trusts, we've developed trust because he never used to go to the movies with me, but we, we worked on it. It's uh, as a couple, we've grown in this area that we can now go to the movies together. Okay. Well, the, well, there are just so many Matt Damon movies, really. So the list is long. Yeah, that's where you and your husband come together over Matt Damon, huh? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to sort of switch topics. Um, it was a big story in the Dallas papers here. You girls are all working girls. And I wanted to get you, your thoughts on what is supposed to be the biggest trend in work late, in the workplace now. And it's called holacracy. Have you heard of this? That's H-O-L-A. C-R-A-C-Y, holacracy. I have not heard of this. This is a new system of management that has been adopted by uh, Zappos, the company Zappos, you know, that brings you all those wonderful shoes. And they have put it in place. And as of this past spring, they abolished all the managers, okay? They have eliminated all job titles, and they have, uh, as a you know, as an organizational mission, they have denounced her, um, hierarchy. So in this holacracy system, it's a system of self-government. So our governance, you get to you get to govern yourself in the workplace, Monica. So that means that yes, <laughs> that <laughs> sounds excellent. Employee up empowerment, and that employees are expected to join various democratic assemblies or what they're calling circles. Okay, these aren't work teams. They're not divisions. They're not departments. They're just circles that come together to do a project or to do some work. And there may be a lead link in that cir- a circle, a person playing that role, but that's, not, but that's not a permanent position. And you get to propose your own job descriptions you get to ratify the roles of others. So you get to, Liz, you would get to tell, uh, well, you probably do that now anyway. <laughs> okay, maybe Monica. Monica, you get to tell your coworkers, like, yes, that's good. You work on, on that, those studies and I'll do this. And then you get to decide as a group what projects you want to do and not do. How about that? Well, don't you just have to, like, put the shoes in the box and ship them? I mean, somebody, <laughs> there are some fundamental things that everybody has to do, right? Well, they have to make decisions. Stiletto, wedge. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of shoes out there. I mean, you know, um, I, I think it sounds really interesting. I, I, I don't know how it would really work, but I think, I think it's a great idea. I think it's very promising, Julie. However... It brings me back to my sophomore year in high school when the high, sc- the high school we went with was – went to – they were experimenting with alternative ways of teaching and learning. And my yes. sophomore year in high school, the alternative way of learning geometry was that it was completely self-guided. Uh, that you just sort of worked your way through this package of materials at your own speed and you kind of 
checked in when you got to the end of every set of things, but you were pretty much teaching yourself geometry. And how did that work out for you, Liz? I, let, let me just say, like, I, I learned nothing. I learned, I remember nothing. <laughs> like, the, I wouldn't know a hypotenuse from my elbow if, it, if, my, if my life depended on it. Uh, okay, can can I weigh in? Because I did independent geometry, too, at that high school, Liz. And did you learn anything? That was the only math class I passed. Oh. <laughs> I loved geometry. See, it, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and that's the only subject in math I know a lot about. Mm-hmm. I mean... I mean, I know other things. I mean, I don't want to say that I don't know anything. <laughs> because you teach math now. Because I teach math. But geometry was one of my first loves because it was independent. Okay. Oh, so interesting. Okay. So, uh, just goes to show that people have different learning styles. And I think people have different working styles, too. So I'm all for experimenting in the workplace. I'm just skeptical that one thing never works for everybody. You know what I mean, Joel? Okay, I think that's a good point. Monica, do you think this would work at your workplace where you just have employees gathering and assembling in these circles and deciding what what they're going to work on and what they're not going to work on? No. <laughs> no. Well, no? Work. You know, I, I think that there's always going to emerge a leader. You know, someone's, if the work doesn't get done and like timelines aren't met, and people aren't doing things, someone's going to have to take charge of the group. So I think in these circles, you're going to have someone who's going to be the responsible adult who's going to take charge of things and start assigning tasks to other people. And then there's going to be resentment, which is the way our office works now. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I, I wish people would, jump in there and, and and be willing to do more work. But I, I think it would take a very specific group of people, um, a certain type of office, certain type of work in order to make that workflow work. Well, this is where corporate culture makes all the difference. And from everything you read about the Zappos corporate culture, they can support something like this because they hire people who will thrive in that kind of environment. Yeah. It's interesting they, that when they put this in place, 14% of the Zappos employees decided to take an early buyout package rather than to plunge into holacracy, that they didn't want to be involved with that or they didn't feel like they could be successful in that. Oh, I think because people don't want to work that hard. If you have to self-govern, it's harder work. You mm-hmm. you don't have anyone telling you what to do, and you can't um, channel surf, you know, <laughs> during the day. No one you to blame. To, you have to come out from your cubicle and really talk about the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a lot harder. Well, that's interesting, Sheila, because just this year, you've gone from a traditional work environment. You were a classroom teacher for many, many years, and now you've busted out, and you've launched your own new business, and... You're self-employed. You have to come out of your cubicle and self-manage. I, I, I do. I, I have a holacracy, and <laughs> I, I am, I am the whole company. I am the whole workforce, and I am the whole boss. So, yeah, I had, um, I had a great run as a teacher. I, I don't know. I taught for thirty years. It's a long time, and um, I had a really, really great career. 
loved teaching and I still do and I still get to do teaching. So what I did in the last couple of years, I started after school tutoring a lot of students and working one-on-one with them, uh, which is very different experience than being in front of the classroom, extremely rewarding. And, um, and so when I got the last couple of years, I've been at that weird age where I'm too young to retire, but too tired, (laughs) too tired to go on. Do you know what I mean? That's the age I'm at now. (laughs) Yes. Too Too young to go on, but too young to retire. I know, Monica. I know. I'm in this window. You're in the window. It's very hard to, um, to, you know, every year going back and setting up a classroom is just, just an incredible, incredibly hard task. And then going through the year. So the tutoring started taking off. And, uh, what I did was I just, uh, did a lot of, um, soul searching, uh, a lot of praying. And I decided this, that was my last year of teaching. I am going to open a tutoring business. Um, so the boutique tutor is uh, my baby. Mm. And uh, what I do now is I start, I, I start my work day after 3 p.m., uh, which is a great time to start working, <laughs> <laughs> if I do say so myself. And um, I have about 12 kids that I work with privately. And I set it up so they're all within 10 minutes drive of each other. And I go to their house and I design an individualized program for them in whatever subject uh, they need help in. And I'm I'm tutoring. The boutique tutor is tutoring. (laughs) And I'm having a great time. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's really, really fun. But it, it is hard to organize yourself. And, and, um, so, but I have all those hours in the day to, to do that, which helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But which like helps. Monica only went to the movies that she could walk to you. Uh, did you just draw a circle around your home and saying you're only taking students? That- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Liz, with traffic in LA, it, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, it's not worth it to say, and it's very tight because, uh, the parents need you between 3.30 and maybe the latest is 8 because kids eat dinner yeah. with their families. So you have to squeeze yourself in there, Liz, between 3.30 and 7. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I've done. And I've been lucky enough to have people who are all within a 10-minute drive. Some days it gets a little tight. I mean, I'm, I'm eating in the car still, which, I, <laughs> <laughs> which I've done my whole life in California eating in the car because I need to have a little snack at six o'clock mm-hmm. before I go to work at seven. So it's just a, the meal planning is very different, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I get to have meals. Mm-hmm. So I have enjoyed having breakfast, lunch, <laughs> and dinner. That's all happening with my new job. That is, that's quite a lot of business insight there, Sheila. <laughs> There's just a lot of dishes being done at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Okay. Well, you know, self-guided, your, what's the word, Julie? Holacracy? Holacracy, Liz. Yes. So yes. Sheila is now a holacracy of one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. What else is going on? Uh, you had some Sheila, you were going to tell us about, you did some. 
Oh, oh yeah, okay. Sheila's flu shot, right. Okay. No, so I think Sheila was going to talk first about uh, her uh, flu shot. Okay, here's the thing. Now, I still work with kids, so I still need my flu shot. Um, so, I mean, people need flu shots. This is flu shot time, so get your flu shot. My health insurance, um, Healthcare Partners, um, was offering free flu shots, drive-through flu shots yesterday um, on, on Saturday. And all week I've been reminding myself, flu shot, free flu shot, 2 p.m. is the closing time. So between 11 and 2, you could literally drive up in your car and get your flu shot. Well, of course I forgot. I forgot um, until I went for a swim. And I basically was wearing, like, yoga pants. Um, I had on uh, a, a air quote sports bra, which was not really suitable for sports or for a bra. It was just a... <laughs> It was a, it was a layer in between my skin and my hoodie. Okay. So I I didn't have a lot of, and my hair was wet. And then I saw all the cars and the tents and the healthcare partners. And I sort of like, I couldn't get in the parking lot to get the free flu shot. So I had to park around the corner and walk to the drive up flu shot. (laughs) Sheila, can I ask when they say drive, it was a drive up window. They were. They it was, leaned out the window and injected you. Yes, yes, Monica. Is no, that, they, is that safe, Monica? You're a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> That's just so California. It's I, ca- I can't it, get it, over it. That's so California. It's it's Cali. And when I walked up, I was sweating in my in my sweat in my hoodie. They're all um, it, apparently it was lunchtime, and they were all being served like giant subway sandwiches and chips and Sprite. So I was like, hello. I'm here for the flu shot. I'm a walk-in. I'm a walk-up. Could, could someone help me? So at that point, I had to get my flu shot. So I had to remove my hoodie and just, I had to take the hoodie and basically cover up the front of my body. <laughs> and uh, the the guy, the guy who gave me my flu shot decided he was, um, I don't know, Dane Cook. Uh, I don't think you should be joking with an older woman while you're giving a flu shot. So the first thing he asked me is, are you allergic to eggs? I go, uh, no. That's not a joke. That's a, that's a question. <laughs> they always ask that. No, wait till you hear the follow-up. No, no there's a punchline. Yeah, he goes, so you're going to go get an omelet after this? Oh. And I was like, uh, buddy, the next joke out of your mouth, I'm gonna, he goes, um, yeah, uh, this is, uh, is this your first time getting a flu shot? I said, no, it's not. No, look at my face. I've had a flu shot for many years. He said, um, well, it doesn't hurt me. It's not going to hurt me. And at that point, Monica, he said, take a deep breath, which I had never done. In a, in a flu shot. And he stabbed me. He stabbed me with that needle. I mean, this kid was, I was like, okay, Henny Youngman, easy on the needle. All right? Back off. And it hurt me. And I literally, like, took my arm and went, ow. And I'm, like, trying to grab my hoodie so my, my hoodie doesn't fall off and my sports bra is exposed. And I was, like, limping away from the drive-up flu shot with a, with a like a sports bra and a, and a hoodie 
and just like so dismayed by the whole experience. <laughs> I would be too. Mine didn't hurt at all. I know they're not supposed to hurt. No, I, I had a nursing student give me mine. It, it didn't hurt at all. I told her she did an excellent job. I mean, it hurt like heck for two days afterwards. Your arm is sore, but getting it, she didn't say take a deep breath. Yeah, that was that. that no, was I've, been, I've had nurses say that to me when I got the flu shot. So oh, really? I think maybe it was the leaning out the window and the jabbing, Sheila. Maybe, that <laughs> was, maybe it was the angle of your shot, you know? Um, yeah, it was just, um, he was, they were having their Subway sandwiches. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a timing thing, I think, when I walked up at that moment. But hey, I have my flu shot. Okay. That's a good reminder. I haven't done mine yet. I should do that. Okay, sisters, I have a story for you. It's a, it, they, we have these here in Dallas, but I guess they're also going on in Portland, Oregon. And I have no doubt they're going on in L.A. And they're called float spas. Do you have these places where these are what's going on in these spas? Apparently, um, is they are like they're floating tanks and you go in and you lie in these tanks of water. And it's the sort of the sensory deprivation um, that is very relaxing and it's supposed to have very beneficial you know, it's supposed to be very positive that it, it relieves depression, anxiety, addiction, maybe jet lag. Liz, I thought of you. you maybe you need uh, uh-huh. to go to a float tank, muscle tension or back pain. Do you really? Have any- and you just lay in the dark floating in the water. Yes. So floating in the water. They, they are tanks they're full of water and then they throw in a lot of Epsom salts so that you're really floating in the water and that. Depending on where you are in the country, they cost between $30 an hour to $100 an hour. So no doubt in L.A. it's $100 an hour. But um, Monica, you know, have you ever tried this? Uh, there's no chance I'm going to try this. They had one in Bend, a no. float spa. <laughs> it, it closed after about two months. It was only open for about two months. I heard, and they have them in Portland, and I'm sure there are some people that enjoy them and find them relaxing. But I heard that, you know, all the lights are turned off. There's no sound. And they close the cover over the tank. Oh, yeah. So that uh, immediately, I I mean, I can't even stand going in a sauna (laughs) more than two minutes in a sauna that has a window so I can look out of it. So I, it's not for me, but they are very popular here. We do quite a few float spas. Yeah, large coffins is how some people describe. Oh, it. No, that sounds horrible but, to me. And uh, but you know they it's supposed to be you know but I, other people have complained that you know the water there's you know they're worried about the quality of the water you know and how how you know how clean is the water because people get in it and I don't know how often they change it just the general oh, that sounds really gross. <laughs> But I, but they're supposed to be popular, and they're supposed to be sort of a resurgence of these of these float places. I mean, I guess it used to be popular. Uh, Yoko Ono did this for a long time. Robin Williams liked it. Uh, so, but it's now they're they're, uh, they're growing. That this chain of float spas or spas where you get to float around, whatever they're called in your neighborhood. Um, are coming on strong, but I don't see any takers in this group. I, or, Julie, I think you should try it. 
I think one of us has to try it, and you brought this news to us. So, uh, in in our holacracy, we are we are voting <laughs> we are voting for you to go try the float spa. How's that? Because there's no way Leanne would do it. She's too claustrophobic. Uh, Sheila's out. I, I float every day in an outdoor pool, so <laughs> I'm, I'm already floating. I don't need a, a covered lid. That's right, Monica. <laughs> Okay, you're ratifying my role. Yes, okay. we are. We're ratifying okay. your role. I'll Just... investigate. That's that's my only promise to you. I'll go walk in the spa and see what's going on in there. Okay. Uh, okay, well, if you want uh, something else, something much easier to relieve your depression, how about um, this, my favorite headline in the news uh, this week. It was in the paper yesterday. Uh, headline reads, Kangaroo bounces away from Staten Island home. Did anyone, see, did, did anyone see this story of the New York Times? Oh, my God. And I see now it's been picked up nationally. But uh, And there's a picture of the kangaroo, like, bouncing through the streets of, uh, of Staten Island. <laughs> Apparently, the, um, this kangaroo busted out of, uh, of a backyard. And the kangaroo's name, this is another really good part of the story, is Buster. So uh, I... <laughs> I appreciate that. So there there was a guy who was working in his auto repair shop, and he noticed a what's described as a tawny animal crouching nearby. <laughs> and so he saw this tawny animal, and he said at first it looked like a deer. So he started to wander close to it, and then all of a sudden the animal reared up on its hind legs and started hopping around in a parking lot near Victory Boulevard on Staten Island. And that's... <laughs> That's when he realized it was a uh, it was a kangaroo, and he said it was running around like crazy. We didn't want it to get hit by a car. <laughs> Imagine you're driving through Staten Island, and the kangaroo comes bouncing by. So um, the police were summoned, and Detective Sophia Mason uh, said that officers arrived at the scene at eight eight thirty six a.m. and that Buster was quote taken into custody without incident <laughs> after about ten to fifteen minutes. So apparently. Apparently, Buster escaped from a fenced-in yard uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, I thought, oh, well, how do you fence in a kangaroo, right? You would just jump right over the fence. And, but no, Buster did not jump over the fence. Someone left the gate unlocked. But unfortunately, this is the uh, there's a series of animals that have escaped from this particular yard. <gasps> Okay, and is that is that even legal to have a kangaroo? It is not, Sheila. Well, actually, you can explain this to me because you're a teacher. Uh, it is not legal to have, in any of the five boroughs, you are not allowed to have a marsupial. So, <laughs> so I know a kangaroo is a marsupial, but what else is a marsupial? I always think of marsupials as being like large rats or, I don't know. What no, marsupials are animals also- that care... That carry their babies in pouches. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> How many more of them are there besides kangaroos? Um, I think um, I think maybe wallabies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a few of them. Uh, I'll, I'll research that, Liz. Okay. Um, get back to me with your findings. I'll get back to you with my findings. It's been a while since I taught um, animals. Okay. <laughs> I haven't taught animals yet this year. So I'll get back to you. Well, this yard that Buster escaped from, the guy um, who owns the house, his last name is Sharipa, and uh, he does have a pony named Casper that has uh, escaped three times. 
I don't, to me, a pony is not a wild animal. But then one day, not too long ago, also a zebra wandered out of oh, his backyard. Wow. So you're living in New York City, and your next door neighbor has kangaroos and zebras and, <laughs> yeah. po- and ponies in the backyard. How can you not love that? I, I just <laughs> think that there's... So anyway. so okay, dope. Liz, I got it. Marsupials, I was right. They carry their young in a pouch. Kangaroos, wallabies, koalas, oh. possums, opossums, wombats, and, of course, the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> <laughs> they have a few possums in, uh, in Staten, on Staten Island, Liz. I mean, so I think, I think there's going to be public um, support for Buster. They're going to make sure he has a home. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, like, I understand no wild animals in people's backyards. I get that. In fact, Monica and I are going to a, um, a chimp fundraising event over Thanksgiving, aren't we, Monica? Yes, Chimp Sink. It's a a chimp rescue place in Central Oregon. Yeah. And if we go early enough, we can meet the chimps. Oh, that's that's really cute. Yeah. It's on a farm, a lot of acreage. They have cages. It's it's rescued chimps. Oh. So if you're in Central Oregon and you want to support the chimps, it's the the Friday night, the night after Thanksgiving is the Chimps, Inc. uh, fundraiser. So, um... So we're in on that. Anyway, so thank you, Buster, for making my week. Kangaroo, <laughs> kangaroo bounces away from Staten Island home. Uh, Let's hope it's not a kangaroo court settling this case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm picturing that, just like a jury box full of kangaroos. <laughs> Uh, anyway, on that note, I think we are, uh, I think we're wrapping it up, sisters. Anything anyone else needs to add? Who's, who's got some cool stuff going on this week? Julie, the, the Tuesday show, what's in the, anything in the hopper for you and Leon for the Tuesday show? Madam Secretary Liz, it is such a good show and we break it down every week on Tuesday. So don't miss that podcast. Okay. Madam Secretary recap. It's a whole new season uh, for the Satellite Sisters. Monica, you doing anything interesting this week? Uh, just work with my boss, <laughs> <laughs> my, my co-workers, <laughs> at a place that is not a whole <laughs> And Sheila, you got the day, like, cranking up your day at 3 p.m. Uh, that sounds well, awesome. I, I'm working, and then I'm getting ready for New York this week because I'm going to be leaving for New York for our book launch uh, next week, Liz. So yep. I'm excited about that. Okay. And I don't know if we've mentioned the book launch in New York. So the, that's uh, Friday night, October 30th. A lot of the next generation is going to be there. So people that you've heard us talk about on the show a lot. Sheila, your daughter, Ruthie, will be there. Yes, front and center. Julie, your daughter-in-law, Lauren, will be there. So when you're on an Urban Nana gig, it's to help support Lauren and your son, Will, right? Yes. And as well, my granddaughter, Alice, will be there, too. So That will be great. And mm-hmm. then our two other nieces, both of whom have been on Satellite Sisters, uh, Catherine Dolan Nortonson will be on the show, and Megan Dolan Saparita, who just had the baby that we posted on the, in the Facebook group. So you'll meet uh, the whole next generation of Satellite Sisters and, of course, us. So, um, so you're the best. Time to kick that off. All right. Let's everyone have a great week. You, uh, you too, Liz. Get ready. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.